It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped, streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. You might hear the word insolvency and think companies, but insolvency is just another term to describe serious financial problems for anyone. You could be insolvent if you can't pay your bills in full when they're due, you're paying a little off each bill trying to keep creditors at bay, or you've had calls and letters about missed repayments and threats of repossession. The Insolvency Service of Ireland, or ISI, has four debt solutions to help people with all levels of problem debt, from credit cards to mortgages. For more information, visit backontrack.ie or free text get help to 50015. The ISI. Together, we'll get you back on track. Welcome to Blood and Mud podcast, the podcast that takes the weekend's rugby and struggles to make the instructions work with the parts provided. I am Lee Calvert. And joining me over there, as usual, is uh, Josh Gardner. Over I'm glad you're with us, Josh. You're with us. You Sorry, <laughs> yeah, I just a little bit distracted then. Something started playing on my laptop and, and terrified me slightly, so I was trying to mute it in case you could hear me watching a hair advert for some reason. <laughs> uh, joining us once again is the gent who puts the man into romantic. It's Mr. Mike Bubbins. Hello, Mike. Hello, boys. Hello, world. Mike, Hello, much more. Mike, much more on the ball than me tonight, clearly. <laughs> yes, good, isn't it? If you want to get in touch with the podcast, we are at Blood and Mud. You're also, you're listening to us on Acast and you're listening to us on iTunes and we're also on Patreon. If you fancy throwing a few quid our way as a bit of support and get a bit more extra content, you can go to patreon.com slash blood and mud. How do people get in touch with you, Mike? Uh, just, uh, well, Twitter, I suppose, at Mike Bevins. Um, or you could, look, I've got a great website, uh, MikeBurbins.com, but I've updated that. The last time I updated it was July 2017. So, yes, yes. Yeah. Sounds like my website these days. I just talk yeah. on podcasts. That's what I do. It looks great, but it's literally, uh, yeah. So it's something I never update. And what about you, Josh? People know this by now, surely. Yeah, but let's tell you. No, anyway. surely, yeah. Right, Josh just, Gardner, just at Josh Gardner at RugbyShirtWatch.com. Yeah. No. Now we always start with the player spotted. Mm-hmm. Um where we ask people to say what they've got. And this is a hot-off-the-press topical one. Oh, and it was actually live-texted to me on Saturday night, Jesus. which I think is a first. Yeah. Grant Taylor... Live-texting? Live-texting? 
Yeah, what's the difference in live text and texting? Well, that's true, actually. I think it's because it came through as a DM on tweet, so I got confused between oh, live shit. tweeting and text. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I saw you just record my text and send them off recorded, usually. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I go back in time and send mine. I find it's a... Yeah. So... Do you mean that this was texted to you as it was happening? Yes, thank you. Okay. Thank you, okay, Josh. Good, yeah. thank Christ, you're here. Um, <laughs> so this is Grant Taylor who texts us, or DMs me, and says, the Newcastle Falcons Christmas party had rocked up in the bar that I work in. He said, true to form, the pack have come dressed as turkeys while the backs are all smartly dressed at the bar. <laughs> the forwards would apparently dance to anything, he says, while Nicky Gonover and Sontani Takalua calmly organise things at the bar. He said, however, I can add, though, after remaining a pitcher of consummate cool, Nicky Gonover absolutely lost his shit to As the Beat Goes On by the Whispers. I when mean, came it's, on. It's, it's cracking to if you lose your shit to something, mate, lose your to that. For those who don't know, as a beat goes on by the whispers, here's a little sample for you all. This is that baseline, fair play. You can't see us, but we're kind of losing our yeah. shit here. So. It's just a great tune. It is. So imagine if you can, Nicky Gonover going full freak out to this. I absolutely can. <laughs> yeah, so fantastic stuff. <laughs> do you do you lots do you still go into clubs, Mike? Is that thing well, you know thing you've ever I, done? I used to be a clubber back in the day, but um, what I did recently, I, I was working at the Wales South Africa game. Um, was real, I'll, I'll expand on that later. But then after that, I went to my first silent disco with oh, a friend yeah. of mine. Never she's, been to one of about, those, yeah. She's about 16 years younger than me. And she started enjoying myself. And I, I thoroughly enjoyed myself. Um, to the point where I got my moustache uh, painted in, in silver glitter paint by uh, the girl doing the makeup there. Definitely. And uh, not my words, but her words. She said, you're the best dancer in this place. I said, I agree with you. <laughs> and, and then she said, everyone else in here just hears the music, but you feel it. What higher praise do you need? Really? Well, thought, no, Did thought, you say right? it's because it's got a good beat, like a proper like dad type would say? Kick a good beat. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of younger uh, people in disco, it reminds me of the story. Uh, my, one of my oldest friends, Richard, there used to be an, an indie disco on a Wednesday night in a club called the Tivoli in Buckley in North Wales. Which is a, which I mean, is, already I'm on board. You're already on board. We used to go every yeah. week when we were teenagers... I used to go to Tenor. I had, it was two quid to get in. I could afford two cans of Red Stripe and then my taxi home. That was it. Remember those sort of days? I do walk home, you're, you're absolute fanny. When you walk home, <laughs> I'm a can of Red Because it's nine miles. <laughs> so then, yeah. Anyway. That just means you've sobered up by the time you're halfway home and it's fine. So, so we used to go to this every weekend. And I don't want to bring anybody down, but fast forward a few years, my mate Richie got killed in a hit and run accident. And his funeral... Just have, honestly, bless us a minute. His funeral happened to fall on a Wednesday, so we were all yeah, at the funeral. We're all at the funeral in the in the gear, and we some yeah. pissed up and reminiscing and getting maudlin. And somebody says, "I know. Shall we? Shall we go to Tiv as a kind of blast in the past to remember him?" I says, "Yeah, all right, let's go." So off we got a minibus. Off we went. So we all walk in, and we're all in our early thirties by now in suits. And of course, it's still the indie crowd. Whatever the two thousand and four or five indie crowd is, young girls in like ripped tights and shit. But we're still, me and mate are stood yeah. there drinking. Watch your friends. 
Yeah, these <laughs> these two girls come walking past us. They look they look me complete up and down about three times and go. He goes, "Who the fuck do you think you are, Westlife?" <laughs> and I just uh, fucking slid down the wall laughing. Uh, uh, it was fucking amazing. <laughs> you you kill for that now. Yeah, fucking kill for it. <laughs> so, jo- Josh, have you got a story about a dead friend linked to a nightclub at all? No. I mean, no. You're, uh, you know, a dead friend aside, it did just remind me of going back into uh, metros in Cardiff at any time after I was 22, and just feeling incredibly old and depressed about everything, yeah. and also that it smelled of piss. Did you ever go in the Millennium in Cardiff, Josh? You were probably young, young enough when you were living there to go to Millennium. One of those retail park nightclubs, which yeah. came up in the nineties, didn't they? Oh, yeah. so then it was called Evolution. Now something. I think it's gone back to be the gym again. Now it was Evolution when I was there. A yeah. dreadful, a dreadful way to waste a taxi out to the bay. Yeah, awful, awful place, awful place. Oh, just over the bandwagon and say that my uh, my first girlfriend would have been forty-seven uh, about three days ago when she died. Oh. So uh, yeah, well, well shit, that is terrible news. Have you got oh, a, a comedic okay. story linked to it from going to a club? Right then, let's carry on with some news, shall we? People, speaking yeah. of people who might be left out in the news, Robbie Henshaw is out of the Six Nations opener, according to news today. Is that big blow? And it is confirmed, I believe. Yeah. So they'll have to just go with Bundyaki or Chris oh, Farrell, oh, oh. the poor fucking bastards, oh. you know. Yeah. I mean, they are thin as fuck at 12, aren't they? <laughs> um, in other news, all oh. coaches are moving everywhere. Um, uh, we've got Gatland going to England, potentially. That won't happen, got, but fuck off. Of course it won't. <laughs> exactly. We've got Stuart Lancaster going to Bath. We've got Stuart Lancaster going to Ireland. We've got... Stuart Lancaster going back to England. That's yes. the other one. Yeah, so basically, everyone wants Stuart I mean, Lancaster. seriously, he wouldn't go back to England and put himself through that for a gold pig, would he? And why the <laughs> fuck know, would you? Do you know what I mean? I bet he's desperate. If I was him, I'd be waiting for that phone call just to tell him to fuck off. I'd love it. <laughs> but you're doing it in a really polite way, because yeah, it's Stuart yeah, yeah. Lancaster. It's, too, it's just too nice, isn't he? If Warren Gatlin came to England, shopping. if Warren Gatlin came to England, I'd be so happy I'd shit a rainbow. But it I won't mean, happen. It's not going to happen. He wasn't. He wants to go back to New Zealand for a kickoff. There's something think, about um, Warren Gatland's yeah. style that would suit English rugby very well, I think. Absolutely. But they should have got him 10 years ago, not now. Because there's well, too I was much... amazed when he came out of Wasp, they didn't go straight there anyway, to be honest. They missed the trip, yeah. there, but thank God they did. Oh, yeah. They are talking about uh, even Richard Cockrell's in the frame. Yeah, they're basically just really desperate for anyone that's not Eddie Jones. Well, right well my show was Rob Baxter. I thought Rob Baxter was a great man for the job. He's ruled himself he's out. Interested, apparently. Yeah, he's ruled himself yeah. out. Yeah, well, I think he's saying, well, I think now he's still relatively young, isn't he, I suppose. And I think he's saying he's he quite enjoys. Yeah, he's 50, 49, 50. Yeah, so, and I think there's something about that missing day to day club management, I suppose, isn't there? Seeing the players every day, building something. Not it's got to be a certain. You've got to be a certain type of coach and a type of personality to be good at international management, I think, because as you say, your time with them is so limited. Well, Rob's You've a got... real club man as well. I mean, he's, yeah. he's grown, you know, his family are all from there. Obviously, his brother's coaching down there with him. He's, he's grown up there, come through the, all the levels there, captain the club, coach the club. He's not going to he's not going to leave Exeter, but he's a fantastic coach. He'd be, he'd oh, be no great doubt, ringer, yeah, man. no doubt, yeah. Well, if he does, don't do it after 2019 when it seems like, you know... Things will either be very good or very bad. 
I think why people like him would be good, someone like Rob would be good. You talk about doing club and national rugby. You look at someone like Exeter, where they've always operated in the black, where they, they, yeah. they don't go into debt, they don't spend a lot of money. And that's what a, a national coach is more about, that sort of man management role, isn't it? I think more than, you can't just buy players in to play for England. No, they do. True. Yeah, you make the best of what you've got sort of yeah. thing. Yeah, I think he'd be really good at it, to be honest, but I don't blame him. We can't have brought Nathan Hughes down. in, but, you know, I'll take your point. But it's a, the, <laughs> yeah. It, yeah, so it's interesting to know where it All will go. All of the coaches really. going everywhere. And then, of course, apparently. Eddie Jones is there for 12 months afterwards, kind of sitting there on your shoulder like a sort of angry Yoda. Like Grinning prick. Oh, <laughs> 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 well, I really like Eddie Jones as well. He has he has absolutely pissed his chips in the last. Would you like him if he was a Welsh manager? Would you like his style? Would that Wouldn't... make you like him the way he is? I liked him before, and then I think he's he's dropped a bollock a couple of times. Um, I think he called Wales a shithole, which is fair enough if you live in Wales. I do it all the time, right? <laughs> <laughs> if, you, if you don't live in Wales, you can't do it. That's the rule, isn't that? That's the golden rule. You know, you can you can slag off somewhere you're from, yeah. But uh, you know, if uh, you can piss out of the tent, you can't piss into the exactly tent. Exactly that, Josh. Yeah. Exactly. Eddie Jones talks about being a little shitty country or whatever. That's fine if you if you're living in Wales. In fact, it'd, it'd be rude not to do that if you lived in Wales. But I mean, <laughs> it's just unsettling, right? It, even if he was an Aussie saying it, it would have been funny. But the fact that he's an Aussie coach in England it really pissed everybody off in Wales. I, I'd be very surprised if he ever got a Welsh coaching job. Plus, uh, yes. He yeah. always starts well and ends up crap anyway. Which I, mean, I really hope that is the trajectory he goes on. But we'll see, I suppose. There's a very real chance. I don't want really to jump on the, on the Welsh bandwagon too much early, early doors, but there's a, there's a wonderful chance. I'm looking at the groups of the World Cup. England easily got the toughest group of all home nations. There's yeah. a real chance that if, if France pull one out of the bag against the English, which they're prone to do, and if Argentina play well, England may not get out of the group again. Which would be really, really funny. I know not for you, Lee, but it would be really funny. Yeah, laugh it up, footballs. But yeah, it's, uh, the, 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 I am, I'm less worried after the autumn than I was before. No, I, don't, the I don't think they will. I think France, I think France could have a car crash at the moment. So, um, and of course, yeah. then yeah. And did you see France this autumn? Yeah, yes. Exactly. I mean, they were funny, but they had the, they were sort a sort of funny that could rapidly turn into quite good if they got any semblance of organisation. Well, very French, isn't it? It's very uh, French. Yeah, to be like mega that. French. To be absolutely abject and then just play brilliantly and beat the best team in the world. They, they've done it before. And so, they only have to beat England on this occasion. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, exactly what you mean. What are you saying? Yeah. Hey, right. So, yeah. what other news yeah. have we got? USA men's sevens team has reached number one in the rankings for the first time. And did you, did anybody did anybody see the try that Danny Barrett scored against New Zealand this weekend? For, for, I did see that. It was fantastic. I've been... It was glorious in its. Well, I've been on the piss virtually solidly for two days, so I, I, missed, I don't know. <laughs> I bet you could have run it in if you hadn't been, That's... Mike. But it was a yeah. So, he, well, he basically got the ball what on his own halfway line in on yeah. the right wing. He's a big lad. He just basically he basically ran straight and just kept dropping his shoulder, and he bounced too oh, off him, didn't he? He bounced too off him. Oh, who were yes. flying at him? They actually, to be fair, they did fly at him NFL style, didn't they? Yeah, they were flying they shoulder off. first at him and they just bounced off. It was a wonderful try. See, people go too high, mate. That's what people do all the time these yeah. days. It's the, I, just, like, I think I mentioned last time, Phil Steele, who's a mate of mine, who's a great rugby commentator and a nice bloke. Mm. He, he came up with a great quote of saying, um, it's like you're always told in school, they can't go anywhere without their nipples. 
It's a, it's a, it is a, it is a, a proper rugby league coach is saying they can't run bare legs. Yeah, the way yeah, I look, see. Yeah. It's not hard, is it? No. And he's watched these, there's always some clip on YouTube of some monster Polynesian fella bouncing people off in, in the NRL or whatever. If you watch the ones that actually put him on the floor, they're all the, always the ones who go like knees and below. Yeah. And then they're down. You try, yeah. you, you try to take a big bloke up around the chest, you're going to get banged off. Do you remember yeah. Rob Burrow who played for Leeds? Rugby league in the last yeah, 10 years. Yeah, of course, yeah. The very small, sort of Roger Millward type Yeah, like size. Andy Gregory sort of size. Yeah, and he, no problem with his defence, just dropped him. Just had a, the technique oh. that just dropped him, basically. <laughs> no dominant collision, no, I'll just make sure you fall over. That's kind of... That's yeah, the... <laughs> exactly. Well, that's all you got to do, isn't it? Any more news? Um, no. No. I mean, I, the fleshly, I, didn't, I didn't see the whole thing. The Scarlet's got a bit... Miffed some of the fans there. I, did, I didn't, like I said, I've been out a lot the last 48 hours. But um, <laughs> about a just... non-British coach again, I, I, I must be so depressing. If you're, if you're a, if you're a really good British rugby coach, what you need to do to get a crack at coaching at the top level, I don't know. They just seem to they'll take if you got if you got a, a South African accent or a New Zealand accent or an Australian accent, you you got a foot in the door, you know. And then the, the Scots boys, the Irish boys, the Welsh boys, English boys. It's a tough way to make a living for a coach. Well, you look. There's no Welsh coaches left for the regions now. There's no. Oh, so. There's no Scottish coaches in Scotland. There are. Is there one Irish coach? Is there any Irish coaches that are not in? They reckon Jonathan. Oh, Humph- don't they reckon Jonathan Humphreys is coming back to Wales for the Wales forwards job? Yes, apparently he's getting the Wales football to be a fan. <laughs> Mike's just pulled a wonderful face. But <laughs> oh, he's very well respected as a coach, isn't he? Regardless of what you may I think of him as a player. <laughs> well, maybe. He, I mean, he did a very good job with Scotland. So, it was like the, yeah, I mean, fair enough. Yes, but um, I just I don't know. Um, it's like when they brought Rob, Rob McBride in. I just thought well, they wonder didn't... why they brought Rob McBride in, and then suddenly. Um, Lineups and scrums were shit. I mean, there's, it wasn't. A, it wasn't a coincidence. <laughs> and yet here yeah. he remains today. I know. Yeah, yeah. I don't. I've, I've I've often felt like Bride is sort of. I mean, obviously, a lot of people have spoken I, about Rob Howdy over the last 10 years, but McBride has never really got that much level of criticism. And our set piece has not been good. No, he does, and he deserves it. Um, which is why I think that. I mean, Gatlin going is a big blow, but when Sean Edwards goes, that's that's an even bigger blow because I mean, I think I think our defence has been magnificent on the whole with Sean there, right? And then when he goes, there's lots of weaknesses in the Welsh game. Um, I'm not going to be too down on it, but I mean, I think our defence is is fantastic. Yes. And if we start letting teams run in two or three tries, we're going to be chasing the game, and it's going to be a very different sort of Welsh look. There, I think. It's going to be very weird to not have Gatlin and. Edwards and you know even Howley and McBride to be honest it's going to be a very strange situation to not see a Wales team done by them but anyway we probably shouldn't right enough now and this weekend this weekend what have, what have we learned yes. about this weekend well um, go on Josh you can go I've learned that the secret behind uh, Leinster's success is in fact uh, potentially flammable flags <laughs> and you take those away, and you know it's the only logical explanation. You know you beat it, and, ev- and everyone knows that the the RDS, the Royal Dublin Showground, is basically like a tire fire permanently. It's like a rolling blaze because of their flags, not, isn't it? Let's not be under the bush here. This is perhaps Flaggate, whatever you want to call it. 
possibly the most stupidest and tedious Ferrari in the history of rugby union. If you give that much of a fuck about a cheap plastic flag, just have a word. Just have a word. Like, yes, Bath massive killjoys for demanding correct flag safety certification. But equally, you want to bring a thousand flags into a rugby ground. I want to know fucking, who bring is the in, fucking paperwork. Who's in charge of that? Whose job is it to be the flag checker? <laughs> it's a hell of a job, it's isn't fun. it? It's probably that prick a uh, trick and dresses all in white with a big with a big top hat on. <laughs> Mr. England, yeah. Jesus yeah, but Christ. I look at Seth Lloyd doing Somebody has dug out earlier today because this thing won't go away. Somebody's dug out that Leinster's flags are made by the same company that make Bath's flags, and Bath yeah. are allowed to have their flags and the other um, ones weren't. Yeah. I mean, obviously, they what just decided not to let them have flags, didn't they? It was just a ridiculous... Yeah. That Obviously, the 11-year-old lad who was running the Twitter that day was left with trying to explain why that was the case because <laughs> Bruce Craig had probably just said, they're not bringing any fucking flags in this ground. Time to fuck off. But whatever happened to, to be fair, mate, team? Like... Thank you, Josh. Exactly. What do you need a fucking flag for? There's flags yeah. in the flagpoles, right? Yeah. What? And, oh, but equally, from Bath's point of view, why are you so threatened by flags that you contrive spurious <laughs> reasons to ban them? Like everyone comes out of this looking like a total bell end. <laughs> I mean, but more importantly, I have a very strict. Yeah. More importantly, the lack of a thousand whatever dubiously fire retardant pieces of blue nylon flapping in the bath winds apparently had a massive impact on Lentz's ability to string anything together because they were really shit <laughs> for large portions of that game. And still managed to win. And still managed to win, obviously. But yeah, I mean, you could say that they struggled for fluidity thanks to Bath being remarkably decent for once and Sam Underhill being a fucking beast. But I say the no, it was flag. He was magnificent again. Oh, he? God, he was good. Like, I just want to go back on the flags, but I, I can't let it go. <laughs> no, I've got no, but it's why. I mean, so let's go. If I was in charge of world rugby, right, which is you know, I, I've never seen never, but I mean, there's, there's certain things like Josh, you, you hit that on the head there, mate, right? All you need for a rugby game is what you're wearing anyway, yeah, and maybe like a little badge or a little rosette or something, or a little, a little, a little lapel pin. If you're dressed up with face paint and fucking flags and stupid daffodils on your head and wearing a Welsh rugby shirt, we never played for the team, right? <laughs> or dressed up like a sheep or Christ knows a St. George the Dragon, whatever the fuck, a leprechaun, get the fuck out. Because what you're doing, you're stopping a proper rugby fan from watching a game of rugby. You're nicking a seat. You're a seat theft. Seat thieving bastard. <laughs> Ultimately. Sorry. I mean, it is very silly how very angry... A lot of people have got about this. David Flatman said that he was embarrassed by his club. Oh, it didn't. It's like, come on, mate. All they did was say you can't bring those fucking flags in. Like, regardless of did whether you see or not the, they're... that Barbars game where they went down the NFL route of having like a pre-arranged, uh, like a ten-pin bowling thing, right? Yes. Well, someone should have been allowed that. It's okay. If that's the deal. If you're going to humiliate the defence after you've got to try with a pre-arranged drill like that. <laughs> we're allowed to run you over and kick you in the fucking ear or when you're on the floor. <laughs> yeah, we're going you to should... pre-arrange to give you a shoeing at every <laughs> run. Did that go the way you thought it was going to go, lads? It didn't, did it? <laughs> Look, there's, no, there's no room for that, is there? I mean, I'm, I'm all for celebrating, but just I, I like to shake hands, jog back the halfway line and get going again. You know, there's no, I can understand the youngsters taking a shirt off or, or getting a bit enthusiastic, but as soon as you start going down the NFL bloody lining up like 10 pins or doing or pretending to mow the grass or whatever else you're doing that is you're asking for trouble there <laughs> if my son game. did that he'd be, he'd be walking home but that way 
nine miles would be nothing. How would Vic like the neighbour feel about such things, Mike? for proper rugby. If I showed Vic someone doing that next door, <laughs> Vic would be... Well, the, you'd, have, you'd have another heart attack. <laughs> <laughs> what else do you have for the weekend? When it comes to Europe, Exeter are a bit like the Labour Party. Honestly, Politics, they just... Eh? They want to stay in, but ultimately can't figure out a way to make it work. <laughs> Like certainty, like it, it just felt like a lesson for everybody that game. Like certain teams just don't get Europe. Like Ospreys in the early two thousands, brilliant team, couldn't shit in Europe. Claremont in the two thousand and tens, just perennially not getting to a final and losing. Mm. Like the need to like play, pretty much win every game, the need to adapt to different styles, the need to play with. A bit of fucking abandon, regardless of. But where did they start with a bit of abandon, didn't they? That yeah, first try was, was great, and then I, th- I think they were just generally surprised that Gloucester turned up with a rugby team for once. Well, that's the thing, yeah. Like Gloucester on the other, they just ducked to water. You know, they they just were like, "Fuck it, everyone's expecting us to lose this, so let's just go a bit mental and chuck it around why and see team, what happens." Why do teams always seem to play? If you're playing professional rugby, your, your skills are at a level where you're going to catch a ball that's catchable. Almost all the time, right? You hope so, yeah. yeah. So why don't why do teams play their, some of their best rugby when they're chasing the game from the inside of their own twenty-two with like a few minutes left, and they start throwing the ball around, and they play what they call high-risk rugby, right? An adult professional rugby player mm-hmm. with a size five ball that's as grippy as they are these days, it's not high risk to throw a pass near them and then catch it, right? <laughs> that's, that's, well, that's I'm, I raised rugby. I raised the same question with with Japan who just move it around with absolute ease yeah, and people go, isn't that amazing? It's like, well, actually, how is it, <laughs> your point, Mike, how is it people who are probably more talented, fully paid professors in the top leagues in the world, yeah. why can't they do it with such ease? And it has to be simply because they're not encouraged to do it because well, of the, per- dad- the percentages and all that stuff, you know. Well, my dad talks about when he was um, in grammar school in the 60s in, in Wales and, you know, Playing rugby for the school, and he and he was a he played front row the old man hooker and prop whatever, um, and he but it was quite quick as well. So he he said in one game he just took off with the ball and got bollocked by the games master. We said Bubbins, what are you doing? He said, well, he said you don't run with the ball. You're a forward lad. He said, you know you, your job is to get the ball, and give it to the backs. Right? <laughs> so there was that you were just coached out of, of doing things that came naturally to you, and it must be coaching. You know, it must yeah. be people. I remember when I, I, I would play a very, not much rugby league, very little rugby league, but I played a little bit. And on the sort of first and second tackle, we were told just to take it up. You know, you, you didn't pass on the, uh, early yeah, on in, in, the tackle, in the tackle count. You know, High risk two, early in the tackle count is a shootable offence, yeah. You know, and why though? Because then you see when play, when teams would throw that missed pass on the first tackle is when you can catch the defences up, right? So it's only high risk. If you're going to knock it on, I'll throw a forward pass. Otherwise, it's just rugby. I'll throw a shit pass, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think a lot of players can't pass off, off the weekend, which is a bit shocking. That is true. It's interesting that Baxter was said after the game, like, you know, they usually have a sort of, in the premiership, they're sort of like a, a well-oiled machine and they have a way that they play and the way that they work. And it's something about it just doesn't work in Europe. And it's, it, it you know, it still goes back to you saying they, they're coached so much that if things aren't, sort of unfolding in the way that they've been coached to expect it to unfold. They don't seem to know what to do with it. They they should talk about, with with cricket, like a cricket analogy, is you'd have to sort of prove yourself at the county level and prove yourself and work your way through. And by the time you got to sort of 
you know, three or four seasons in, you finally get your England cap. All that flair that you had at 18 years of age has been drilled out of you, right? So yeah. I, I think the same thing happens in rugby. I think you see kids come through, and you've always got to sort of earn your stripes. And go, I go back to rugby league again. I remember they chucked like someone like Schofield in at 17, you know, to Great Britain. Mm. And there was always that, you know, if, you, if you're good enough, I know it's an old cliche, but if, you, if you're good enough, you're old enough, right? Mm. So you see a lot of players come through. I see it with, like, I coach my little boys under nines rugby team, right? We're now doing, because it's, it's a directive from the, from the union as well, we're starting to do line defence drills at under nines rugby, right? <laughs> well, that's just, I mean, I don't know where we're going to go with it. We're going to move the offside line or do something. It's so regimented. You talk about that? It must be, like Lee said, this is a very stat-driven sport these days, right? Mm. It must be that someone's looked at that and said, the way we're going to retain possession and score tries is to do this, right? And I don't know... Yeah, it is. It's, there is a money ball thing. I, I, was, I found myself thinking at the weekend, you know when people kick for touch and it bounces 12 inches inside the touch line and everyone yeah. stands up and goes, what a kick. Yeah. yeah. I reckon there's going to be a point at some point where some analysis somewhere is going to say, that's actually a poor kick. Yeah, because you're actually flirting with failure too closely. You should make it bounce five feet inside because then it will go out. And I think this is the sports science in a way kind of is brilliant and enlightening, but in some ways ruins everything. The the, the biggest example of a sport that's been ruined by sports science is cycling. I read Bradley Wiggins' biography and in the old days in the cycling Tour de France, if somebody stood up and attacked on a climb, you had to decide, do I go, do I not go, what the fuck, and, and you'd have to think. What happens now is, is that they'll go and in his race microphone, race radio, suddenly he'll say to Wiggins, he's going at 750 watts. He won't be able to maintain that for more than seven minutes. You're operating at 720 watts. You've proven in training you can do that for 27 minutes. Let him go. You'll catch up with him eventually. Jesus. And actually, and then he wins a course, doesn't he? And actually, isn't that in a way fascinating and incredibly impressive, but from a sporting point of view, kind of miserable. And I think there is something about your, the point about how defences work now. How this, Nobody's committing to rucks anymore. There's a reason for that because they've probably demonstrated it's not worth the effort to, to go in there. But then when you see teams that do counter-ruck, mm. it's happened quite a bit recently. It completely takes uh, the, the team with the ball by, by, by surprise. Mm. People are counter-rucking through the middle of a ruck and getting the ball back. I don't, I, I don't even know anymore what the actual law of that is. I watch a game thinking, well, if I'm coming in through the back feet of a ruck, you know, why, do, why don't people contest it more? Is there, what does the actual law say? If, if, I'm, if I'm coming in through the gate, if I'm going through the back feet as a defender, I'm on my feet and the ball's there, why is the ref saying leave it, leave it, leave it? Why am I leaving it? I don't understand it. Because once the ruck is formed, you can't, you can't use your hands, can you? If you first no, game, you can. So, so why don't you see people come through the ruck on their feet? You can drive you can drive over off your feet, but you can't go with it with your hands. And you and you're not allowed to pull people into the rook either. But people, people don't go through with their feet, is what I'm saying. Oh, okay. Because the referee's screaming to leave it alone, leave it alone, leave it, leave it, leave it. I think and that also find just a little quick gripe, lads, while we're on the <laughs> subject, right? <laughs> no, but I can understand why the refs talk to the players, right? Mm. Okay, we mentioned it before. Oh, right? did, I don't yeah. I don't hear that all game. It happened again on the uh, well, I was watching two weeks ago. It was just a referee for 80 minutes. I was like, oh, shut up. Just shut up. I had one the other week, and I'll just say it again quickly. And it happened again this weekend. When you think about what chances an attack got in rugby now when everybody is so well drilled, as we've already talked about, 
They're on the back foot, so they're pretty much right next to the ball. And then the ref basically tells them exactly when the ball comes out. They don't even have to look for when the ball comes out. They just go, the ball's out now. So it's like saying ready, steady, go to a defensive line, basically. But it's like like the advantage law as well, right? Without going into too much depth. The amount of advantage played now. I think if it was a scrum advantage, it should literally be, you've got two seconds, right? If you're going to run with it, all you're going to get was the ball back anyway, right? That advantage yeah. over straight away. Roman Port was, did that on Saturday, actually, to be fair, for the first time. But it was unusual yeah, that he did that. It was. Yeah. But then, and then, like, with if it's a penalty advantage, whatever, say two pairs of hands or five metres or something, because the times they think a penalty advantage now means you can keep playing with a ball. If you don't score a try, we'll bring it back and give you the kick. And that's not yeah. what advantage should be. I don't think that's what advantage should be. Mm. Or if you want that shot goal, just in instantly knock it on and and take the kick to the post. Don't decide to like go on for five or ten minutes sometimes it seems and then get well, advantage blown back. until you score, isn't it? Yeah. You have to score, yeah. 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 And if you don't score you just get another go. Yeah. Yeah. Um what else did we learn this weekend? Edinburgh are quite the conundrum, aren't they? They don't make a lot of sense <laughs> and yet in some ways they do. In some ways, they make more sense than anyone else. But they're topping their league, their group now, mm. having beaten Newcastle. A group that contains Montpellier and Toulon, who basically pay their players in pallets of gold bullion, like the Italian <laughs> job. And, and, and Edinburgh... Um, and when you just, talk just... about building in... Edinburgh, weirdly, I've come to the conclusion there's some kind of weird, something to do with the moon cyclical orbit thing. Because Edinburgh weirdly do well in Europe about every six years. Or seven yeah. years or so. Remember that time they got to the semi-final and it was bizarre. Yeah, and they were and dreadful really everywhere understood. else. That was in oh yeah. nine, I think. So it's probably a bit longer than I'm saying. But there's and then and they also didn't they get when did they get to a final? Did they get to a final before? Can't they got remember. to the Challenge Cup final a couple of years ago. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so, what I find weird, I spent quite a bit of time in Edinburgh, sort of once a year. You know what? I'll, you know. But you talk about Montpellier, you go to Montpellier and there's rugby, 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 rugby everywhere, right? You go to Edinburgh, you don't even see a pair of rugby posts. I mean, it's how, how they do so well in an area where rugby, I would doubt this in the top four sports in Edinburgh, right? Yeah, and you think about, it's, not just, Edinburgh. it's not just Edinburgh either, you know. this I reckon this might actually finally possibly be Glasgow's year, maybe. Because um, even though they've got a fucking hard-as-nails group with, with Saracens and Leon and the Blues, like... They're, they're a fucking good team. That was a like, me, that was a mega result away in Leon. They were incredible. How do they how do they do it? So I'm saying I don't I don't understand how they get the players there. I don't understand how they play that well. It's just it's good oh. coaching and good good I, squad development. They've they've the, the SIU has done a bloody good job of pulling in anybody who can play rugby. Well, they got that has, sort of player. Yeah, that sort of player recruitment program from any yeah. sort of. Any and school. they do a fantastic they found job. Found Hugh of it. Jones, didn't they? For example. Yeah. Oh, he's a yeah. But I mean, and there's you, no, there's no real, unless I'm missing a trick. I didn't see a lot of grassroots rugby there. There, there wasn't a lot of. No, I think it's. I think it's similar to certain parts of England. Really, it's probably played in the nice schools. Mm. And there's a few, and and that's not. I mean, there are leagues in Scotland, of course. It doesn't seem to, and people, any Scottish listeners will probably come on and have a massive goaders about this afterwards, but, <laughs> because there probably are clubs all over the place. But um, it is, when you think about the population, then the dominance of football there, it's amazing oh. that, it, that it, they do keep 
pulling it through. And because the hotbed's in the borders, isn't it? But that's the thing. Yeah, the hotbed of, of Scottish rugby traditionally is a place where there is no longer even a professional team. But they do still structure people through into that. They structure people through it. I in think a they realise that their market not... for tickets and, and and attention was probably best to have it in two. You know, oh yeah, world and it makes all the they sense. are world cities, aren't they? Glasgow yeah. and Edinburgh. It makes yeah. all the sense in the world, but. You know, you look at their squad, and yeah, they've got a couple of imports here and there, but you know, this that Glasgow squad is basically all Scottish-born dudes. That's amazing. Their their their, their recruitment process must be fantastic. Whoever whoever's doing that job for them. Yeah, and even, and even the ones that aren't. I mean, you look at the Home brothers, the Fagerson brothers. They're all yeah. you know, They're all I know. You know, born in Scotland, shall we say? I don't want to say proper yeah. Scottish. Mm. That's not right. But born in Scotland. You got the Grey brothers and Richie struggled with injury for a little while, you know. Uh, Hog, Darcy Ray, which is a brilliant. It name. is a pro- It is a proper golden like golden generation. So you don't want to say that because it's no. fucking horrible. But you know, you look at the players that they've got coming through. You know, both in the pack and in the, you know they've always had either a good pack or good backs. I think it's a golden period for for. For the, I'm going to go back to the Five Nations. The Five Nations at the moment. I, I, obviously, the Ireland thing with with New Zealand recently. But you know, I'm, but I, I wouldn't watch a, a Wales Ireland game and think that you know I, I would fancy our chances against against Ireland. You know, at home certainly. Right. There's a lot. There's no. a lot of good teams at the moment. It's yeah. It's. I can't remember a time when I took my little boy to see his first game. Went to go and see the. Um, what are we going to see? Well, South Africa game, wasn't it? The South Africa game mm. recently. At no point did I think we were going to lose that game. No. And that was such a weird feeling. Even me, to be up two scores and not think we're going to fuck this up in the 78th minute. I didn't, <laughs> yeah. I, didn't, I didn't think that once. I thought we got this. And the same with Tonga. When we were, when we were and I'm sort of banging about Wales, but when, when I went to go to the Tonga game and halftime was a bit close and I thought, that's just the sort of game we'd have fucked up in the past. Right? And that didn't happen. Right? Yeah. We blew them away in the second half. And think how well Ireland did against New Zealand. That, and that wasn't a lucky. That what a lucky win against the All Blacks. Oh God, no! They played fantastic. I could. I, it was almost like watching. We talked about intensity. Or, you know, I played a bit of rugby, right? I was watching that, thinking this is like watching something that isn't rugby. Because <laughs> it was so. It was so fast. They were. They were hitting so hard. They were so, they were so fit. I couldn't believe the fitness levels on those lads. Full teams. It was a great game of rugby to watch. Fantastic. Yeah. Um, speaking of blowing people away in the second half. <clears throat> Do you I know where you're going with this. <laughs> Cardiff yeah. Blues. Uh... <laughs> Back in the nightclub, then, were you? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Come on. But uh, the um, when you got, yeah. I think you you did a very poorly aging tweet about it, didn't you, Josh? When you say that all Saracens well, don't like playing Welsh teams, then they got hammered. Well, well, yeah, but it, it was. Yeah. It, it was bit like in that first half, the Blues gave Saris a massive scare, uh, in a similar way that the Ospreys did last season. Um, and obviously, Saris won both games because Saris have more money, more depth, more quality, more everything. Um, but yeah, you know, certainly for the first half, that was really encouraging for the Blues. Unfortunately, Saracens are basically the fucking Borg. And there was only one way that game was going to go after about 42 minutes, really, unfortunately, for the Blues. And that was that. But And you forget in the first half that, that Saracens had two tries disallowed, basically. Every time Saracens got the ball, you thought, oh, wait, here we go. Here we go. The fact there they, was a bit of a forward pass or, or something else that meant it wasn't, and then they came out yeah. and did. It's still it's amazing when they do what they do, Saracens. It really they're is. the best team in Europe again, and it's kind of boring that they are. 
Because... I, was the, I was on the piss with a mate of mine uh, called Brian Davis on the weekend. Uh, and Brian, Captain Saracens, back in the amateur days, right? right. He's a Barry boy. But he said, when, when, uh, when, when the game used went to win, open, absolutely nothing. He <laughs> said, when, when the game went open, he was captain the one season. Then the game went open and he was sacked. Like it was, it was in the same, it was in the same week, I think. <laughs> the same phone call. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> We've gone pro and you're sacked. See you, Brian. Just skip her, fuck off. It was like. <laughs> uh, yeah. But a What's great the, first half you, that was, actually. Go on, well, listen, you, you know a lot more about this than I do. So how does the, the salary cap work with English? Because, I mean, did, <laughs> is it purely wow. voluntary? How does it? No, it's I not mean, voluntary, and they can have a... Is it one player outside the salary? They've got two, play- two players they outside the salary. They can pay two players basically anything because they're outside the salary cap. Hence, and Stuart Hogg can go to Exeter and get paid a fuckload, basically. Yeah. yeah. Um, for that. But then, yeah, the rest of it's what? Is it eight million, the salary cap? I can't remember. Top of my head. I should know this. Which is a not, lot of money. I mean, that's not centrally funded, obviously. Is it? I, no, can, God, no. You can spend up to eight million. Yeah. So people like Saracen are going to spend the full whack plus two big contracts on top of it. Aye. So um, when you think that, you know, the region's self-limiting salary cap is two and a half million. I know, it's nuts. I mean, I mean, obviously central contracts play a part in that, but... It's seven yeah. million. Seven million, is it? Okay. So that's a lot of money. I mean, it's not. Seven million plus to like another two half millions or whatever. So yeah, probably. Yes. Yeah. yeah, easy. And, and yeah, the... There's all sorts of, you know, stuff. There's lots of rumours fly around about how they make things work that's outside yes. the salary cap and stuff like that. Having said that, when you look at Saracen's squad... It's very homegrown. It's, a lot You've of it's pretty homegrown. They've done a lot of work around Hertfordshire and, and that part of North London and stuff and tried to do it. And every time all the internationals disappear, I mean, Schottberg is knocking around and stuff, but generally... And they've... Uh, pulled back the oh, what's the American winger called? Whose name escapes me now. Uh, that guy, yeah, yeah, Chris. No, uh, Chris Wiles. Chris, Chris Wiles. Wiles, thank you. But generally, it tends to be a load of people who've come from their academy. And of course, it's told you came to their academy. There is, there is a way come to their academy. Ben Earl, he's from their academy. Well, certainly, yeah. You know, so. and I mean, well, they've got. I, they've got... I, I, I imagine their academy's fantastically well funded in that case. Yeah, got, yes. that's the other thing. Yeah, but of course, that's not in your salary cap, is it? But I su- no. and I suppose if you are a, a benefactor of a club, I'm sure that's where you'd want to throw your money, isn't it? Absolutely. I'll build you a magnificent, you know. That's what Exeter, that's what Exeter have done. That's why Exeter have, have managed to sort of get to where they are despite not really having those big names or the sort of... And they're starting to get more of those big names now as you have to when you become a certain level of massive. But, like... They've, yeah, always, pretty well. they've, they've always been, like, the only team between, like, Penzance and Bristol, though. So they, they, they they've had a big recruit pool, a lot of yeah. the Cornish boys and a lot of the Devon boys. And, you know, there was a, they got a big pool to draw from. Mm. Anything else on the weekend? Um, loyalty. There's a lot of talk of loyalty in rugby this weekend, I noticed. Uh, it's been a one-way street, though, so why should players care? Exactly, mate. I was going to say the same thing. <laughs> they always talk about loyalty from players, which is nice to see. Yeah. But you know as a player, if you get a knock or an injury or, or, or you're out of form, if mm. they could possibly bin you, you're going to get binned. Yeah. Hey, Brian Smith will tell you that, won't he? Yeah, you know they want to. <laughs> or you could just turn pro and get the boot, you know. But well, then they want loyalty from the players. You know, you got to yeah. you got to play play for the club, play for the badge, and all that. Bollocks yeah, there was a lot of play. Yeah, it was a lot of players sort of because basically everyone's leaving Wasps this summer by the looks of it. Elliot Daly's off. Um, Nathan Hughes is off. 
Um, and he also looks like Manny Tuilagi and Ellis Genge might be gone from Leicester. And people like Austin Healy lining up to basically criticise these players for being disloyal or chasing money. But it's like... Austin Healy can fuck right up. <laughs> well, yeah. Just generally, yeah. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I missed the first bit. <laughs> if a player never lifted a finger in training and their condition was shot, like, you can bet your ass that a club wouldn't be offering him a new contract. So why should Elliot Daly stick around with Wasps and their substandard training facilities if he can go to Saracens and be treated like a king? And people talk, people talk about this sort of thing, but how many players in this day and age, in any sport really, actually do it? Yeah. The only reason they do it is because they're offered an adequate contract that keeps them there. And, and they might get, you might get away with having a contract that's 5% less because of a yeah. loyalty thing. But you're not yeah. going to get away with a contract that's 15 20% less. Well, this is the thing no. with, the, with like Reese Webb and why not? I'll go back to Wales again. But I mean, you can't say the professional player, you know, who's got a who's got a, a very short career. You know, you retire yeah. by the age of 30, 35. You, you've got another fifty years on the planet after that to pay, you know, to, yeah. to pay the bills. You can't say that somebody you can't go somewhere else and make three times as much money. It's ridiculous. Yeah, and, it's, and a chance to win something. I mean, yeah, the, exactly. the, obvi- the obvious one is always something like Matt Letizia, isn't it? He stuck yeah. it out in football, stuck it out of Southampton for years. Obviously, wasn't that arsed about winning things, like being the main man in the team, got played yeah. plenty to pay for his mortgage and live the life he wanted to live, and that was yeah. fine for him. But he's the exception that kind of proves the rule, or there's, there's a very small number of him that proved yeah. the rule. You know, John yeah. Terry was a one-club man because they kept giving him massive contracts and they kept winning trophies. Yeah, it's, it's like, as much as, you know, I fucking love... They liked having sex right. with his teammates' wives. Well, there is that as well. Yeah. Don't we all? <laughs> <laughs> like, Alan Wynne-Jones, lo- I love Alan Wynne, incredible servant to the Ospreys, wanting to never, ever play for anyone else. However, I'm not kidding myself that if, you know, he's up out of contract end of this year, I think, or end of next year, after the World Cup, I think. Like, if he gets an offer from France that is bigger than what's in Wales, he will go. And he well, should go. And he absolutely fucking, should. If Austin Healy got offered three times the cash to go to BBC, <laughs> you wouldn't see him for fucking dust. <laughs> <laughs> There'd just be bits of hair transplant everywhere behind him. Right? <laughs> take him off so quickly. Plus, I'm always baffled by people who go about, like go to bat effectively for the management. Like, it's like... Why are you like players just want to have like the best employment situation, which is all any of us want to do? And if you're and like, owner, I mean, mad. If you're if you're a multimillionaire or a billionaire owner, good luck to you, right? I don't begrudge you one penny of your money, right? Mm. You you got that money from being fairly ruthless in business, I'd imagine, right? Yeah, you're probably a dickhead. Let's be honest. Yeah, you're probably a dickhead. You know. So and then yeah. there's 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 a principle in in the if I talk with the NFL briefly again, right? But, and American sports in general, they call it the meat principle, right? Maximize earnings at all times. Because mm. they just realize you've got to make as much money as you can in that shorter time as possible because yeah. you've got such... There's no guarantees, you know? Not for long. You know, it's it's a short-ass career. And, you know, if I, I can't understand anybody being sympathetic with a millionaire or a billionaire who's being asked to pay too much, like a little bit more money for a player that's putting their body on the line. Every week for it. It always winds me up as well that when agents and players get blamed for inflating and this CVC money that's coming to the Premiership, I think now at least at least half a dozen people in the last week have come out and said the same thing that this shouldn't go on players' wages. It should go on facilities and stuff. That's not a you know, okay, fine, that's a point of view, but it's obviously a line that's coming out. But it's like I'm gonna admit, you chose to pay them the money. (laughs) 
<laughs> markets yeah. only work when somebody says this is what I think it's worth, and you say, "Well, I'm happy to pay that." Then that is yeah, literally exactly, how fucking exactly. markets work. <laughs> yeah. If you, you know, so, if if the market wasn't right, you go, well, "I'm not paying it. That's too much money." Yeah. <laughs> it's just as if they're, the they're same, all victims of this, you know. I want two hundred fifty grand a year. Well, we're not going to pay you that. We pay one fifty. No, but I want two fifty though. Well, you're not having it. <laughs> yeah. Well, I want it though. Well, fuck off then. I mean, it's not. That's the way that it works. I want one point two million pounds for for my house, but it's a terrace in Ebbe Vale. Yeah, but I want one point two million pounds for it. Well, I'm not paying you. What do you fucking mean? Yeah. <laughs> it's like Nathan Hughes is the cunt for going. Somebody in Bristol coming up to him and going, "Would you like five hundred grand a year?" And him going, "Yeah, <laughs> I, I probably I would. Yeah, I'm All paying right. for three villages." There's yeah. not a person listening. Yeah, and you get to live in Bristol instead of Coventry. There's not a person. <laughs> yeah, people haven't thought of that, have they? <laughs> you've you've been that soldier, haven't you, John? You've been on that. <laughs> I've front been that soldier. I've been in both of those places. There's not a person. In, there's not a person in that stand or watching that TV who wouldn't go and do a, a you know who wouldn't go and do the same job for two or three times the cash somewhere else. Yeah. Well, to be honest with you, twenty percent, ten percent. You know, who wouldn't take a like a substantial pay rise it's just mad i just ne i'll never get it i'll never understand right. people who get angry about it it's like fucking make your money we need it's to also a bit, it goes to and they make the strangest analogy you talk to someone about it, they go it's ridiculous mate why is it well a nurse makes 30 grand a year i said yeah right. i said yeah i know but no, but people don't pay to go and watch a nurse I can change in beds. I'm not saying they don't do a great job. they do, they're fucking deviant motherfuckers. Can't if you go on the right website. There you go. But like you said then, you're only going to get paid what that owner thinks you're worth to that club, right? And if nurses suddenly, if nurses were offered 80 grand a year to be a nurse... That's what it costs to recruit them, then that's what it costs to recruit them. Yeah, that's what it costs. And they say, unlucky, there it is. Well, it's happening now because they can't recruit them without having to pay agencies. So people, nurses are going to work for agencies where they get paid twice as much. This is what happens. They should be more loyal to stay with their own hospital. Yeah, I'd love to see like a like a transfer market for nurses. Oh, she's wonderful with a shringe. Look at the shringe work, the close shringe work. Or him, of course, it can be a male. Right, so well, that's it for the weekend. We're running out of time. I've got, yeah, I've nothing else to say. No, because we are going to welcome back, after a very long time, the return of this. In Ireland, we don't get a lot of sunshine, which means we probably don't get enough vitamin D. And that's why we developed Vitabiotics Ultra Vitamin D. Specially formulated, one tiny ultra vitamin D tablet helps maintain your immune system, providing all the vitamin D you need in one daily tablet. Bring a little sunshine into your day with Vitabiotics Ultra Vitamin D. Pick up your three-month supply in-store and online from leading pharmacies and health food stores nationwide. Acast recommends... Podcasts we love. Changemakers is a new podcast series with me, Claire McKenna, talking to people who stand up, speak out, or challenge us to think a little differently. It's about the greater good, families and children, respecting their own individuality. In the next couple of years, like I hope I never have to have conversations about racism ever again. Like, I just want to get to the stage where, you know, people are just people. Nobody's pooling the resources together and actually being able to show how much of an impact it will make when people do come together. Changemakers with Claire McKenna. Search for it now wherever you get your podcasts. Acast is home to the world's best podcasts, including the David McWilliams podcast, 
I'm Grandmam, and the one you're listening to right now. Oh, legendary right. Mick Morgan there. Classic. Uh, yeah. So You Dirty Get, which is a feature that we haven't run for ages, where we look at very famous acts or, or foul play matches from times past. And this week, we are going to focus on the Battle of Pretoria in 1998, which was South Africa versus Ireland in the second test of the summer tour. Now, this was back in 98 when tours were still tours because Ireland played seven games on this tour, mm. winning only two. The two they won were against Boland Cavaliers and Leopards. Not literally. Mm. Not literally Leopards. What's the game that was? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, they lost to Not- SWD Eagles, who I can't even remember who they are. No. Nope. Western Province, obviously, I know, and Greekwast. They lost to them. And then they headed into a two-match test series with uh, South Africa. They lost the opening game 37-13 in Blumfontein. And we're out to level the series where they rocked up in Pretoria a week later. To add a bit of a trouble to the mix as well, Keith Wood had chinned Gary Teichman in the yes. first test. There was a bit of simmering angst mm. and anger going on there because he chinned Teichman. Didn't they refuse to go to the post-match function or something like that after that? South Africa Saffers. refusing to go somewhere because somebody's punching. What a fucking joke. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so well, I love this game for like from a do-as-I-say-not-as-I-do point of view. Oh, yeah. When you watch this, we don't want back, to see this anymore. However, <laughs> and also, but also from a, it's amazing how many current professional coaches were involved on both sides of this game. So obviously, you've got Warren Gatland had just taken charge of Ireland, which would always, which would go incredibly well, of uh-huh. course, as we all know. Um, Nick Mallett of of everywhere fame was in charge of South Africa, but on the pitch you had Mark McCall currently at Saracens, David Humphreys at Gloucester, Razi Erasmus currently Springbok Connor coach. O'Shea. Um, Anthony Foley, RIP, of course, Conor O'Shea, as you say, Bernard Jackman, Franco Smith, who's currently at the Bloody Cheetahs. Hell. Like, loads of the... Most of the players on this pitch would end up being professional rugby coaches 20 years later, and I'm pretty sure they would have enough to say if any of their players did about 1% of the absolute barefaced violence that went you on You mentioned the game. team, so we're very quickly running through the team. South Africa were from fullback, fullback Percy Montgomery, wing oh, Stefan Terblanche, Centers, oh, would be his name. Uh, centers, Andre Snayman and Peter Muller. He was a big lad, Peter Muller. Wasn't he was he? a big lad. Uh, Peter Rousseau on the wing. He was one of the again, probably one of the first archetypal big lad wingers who came through. Wasn't he? <laughs> he was actually, wasn't yeah. he? Yeah. Um, outside our Franco Smith, number nine of the legendary uh, rest in peace, Juice Van der Vestes, and front row, Ollie, Chubby Ollie Larue. Do you remember him? Oh, oh, yeah. Jesus. James, I like to pick people's eyes out, Dalton at hooker. <laughs> Lovely oh. boy. Lovely Adrian boy. Garvey at prop. Cranow Otto, second row. Mark Andrews, <laughs> who looked like an accountant but was deadly. <laughs> Johan Erasmus, Andre Venter and Gary Teichman, captain. Ireland was Connor O'Shea, Justin Bishop, Kevin Maggs, the man with the squarish jaw you've ever seen. Mark McCall, <laughs> as I've already mentioned. Dennis Hickey, Eric Elwood, he looked like somebody's uncle. Which is what I would like to buy him. <laughs> Conor McGuinness was scrum half, who I do not remember. No, nope. I have no memory of him whatsoever. None whatsoever. Justin Fitzpatrick was prop. Keith would, of course. Paul Wallace, Malcolm O'Kelly, who was still playing relatively recently. Uh, Paddy Johns was the second rower, who was a fucking legend in this game. <laughs> by the way, he was really, just 
He is the star of this show. Yeah. He might D- not have starred in many rugby games in his life, <laughs> but he is absolutely the uh, best one here. Dion O'Quinnigan was the blindside flanker who was actually South African and had played for them at age levels and transferred over to Ireland not long before this. I'm sure they've dealt with that perfectly well. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Andy Ward was the open open side. Victor, Cost- Victor Costello was number eight. And then on the bench, you came on. David Humphreys came on. Rob Henderson came on. He became a lion in 2013, obviously. They did... <laughs> They did a brilliant thing on 55 minutes just to yeah, calm everything best, down and bring Trevor. Yeah, <laughs> let's bring Trevor the Brennan on. Warren Gatland here. Yeah, let's bring <laughs> Trevor Brennan on after 50 minutes. Well, the, game, the game has basically descended into violent anarchy at this point, and they go, "Yeah, yeah Trevor Brennan will calm this." Warren, what are you going to do about this? Trev, do you want to take Trevor's collar and lead off, please? Because he's going on. Like Peter Close yelled at this point. Uh, they did, they, they came, brought him on they, as well, yeah. They came on at exactly the oh, same time. Tremendous. It's like there's a fight going on and you bring... Bring the claw on. Well, bring the claw and Trevor Brennan on. Send for like, the claw! <laughs> it's like pouring napalm onto a fucking burning orphanage or something. It's like it's not going to... Oh. So that was but the team. I love that. I love that that's Gatlin's mindset when this game... They're 30-something nil down. It's just been fighting for 50 minutes. So he's just like, yeah, go on. Fuck it, more fighting. <laughs> so this it started off... It started very early on 13 minutes. Juice van der Vestes and booted Malcolm yeah, O'Kelly in the guts while he was on the him in the guts. Just because O'Kelly just kind of tackles him, not even that yeah. badly, just round the shoulders nope. and it kind of fell over his head a bit. So you van der Vestes and shooed him one in the guts on 13 minutes. <laughs> then James Dalton and Victor Costello go at it on the ground on 20 minutes. And Dalton um, takes turns in using one hand to punch Costello and use the other hand to try and gouge his eyes out. Dalton was rock, fair play. Yeah, and a psycho. Kind of hard, that terrible mix of hard and psychopath, which is... Well, I told you that Tony beat up Gary Lewis, and I told you that in a previous podcast. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> yeah. Of all the people to fuck with, I was like, oh, my God, this is going to end badly. Fuck him. Who the fuck do you think he is, man? <laughs> Taxi. Yeah. Um, so that that happened. Forty-two. Literally, it was like every first half wasn't too bad. It was like a fifteen-minute break between fighting. The second half, it becomes every five minutes. Forty-two minutes. Gary Tyson and Kevin Mags go at it. Kevin Mags visibly shits himself. <laughs> He's basically trying to hold on to him and keep him at arm's length while Tyson's just swinging punches at him. I'll go to my fake limp at this point. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> do the old do the rotation side. Ref. <laughs> I'm blowing. Yeah. 55 minutes, he's already said, Trevor Barron comes on and immediately tries to twat somebody on the side of a rook, which leads to, on 57 minutes, probably the best fight of the game, Paddy Jordans versus Crano Otto. This is one of the great rugby fights, I think, genuinely. It, what I love about it is it continues over 20 metres. Do you know what the yes. kind of... It just keeps rolling forward as they're swinging at each other. It's absolutely amazing. Like rollerball <laughs> without the skates. <laughs> yes, yes, yeah. So that goes on. Four minutes later, 61 minutes, Paddy Johns again, who's basically becoming the Nicky from Casino character. In this game, the Joe Pesci character in Casino, you know, if you put him down, you better come back with a fucking gun. And if you come with a gun, you better fucking kill him because he will never stop. Something. So uh, he drops an elbow on Mark Andrews while he's on the floor. Yeah. Who then decides again in a very South African way at that time to go for his eyes quite visibly strikes for his it's, eyes. It's very, it's weird watching back just quite how comfortable South Africa are. And to be honest with you, everybody is we're just going straight for the eyes. I've never done that. I've never, I, it's weird, it's a, isn't it? That was, like a, that was always like a taboo thing. Like, yeah. 
And I think Not- what is it? It's their first. I think that Andrews, it's his attempt to get him off him in the most quick manner. Mm. Like he thinks, if I go for your eyes, you'll you'll because because Johns was on top of him. So I think if I think if I go for your eyes, you, you'll recoil naturally, and I can get out of this. It's still I completely out of order. I bet someone's knee went, so that worked. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I mean the eyes. You don't cover the eyes, do you? Yeah, so anyway, that carries on. Andrews Grove says that carries on. 70 minutes. Paddy Johns, this time the, the two big men come together. Paddy Johns versus Gary Teichman. This is because oh, it's, it's about everyone's wanted to see this whole this is This is Holyfield Tyson now, isn't it? <laughs> it is. This is again, while that was going on, just off. Peter Clois is off the bench by this stage and he's on full fucking pasty patrol. He's just basically swinging for anything that comes near him. And Johns is honestly, by this point, Paddy Johns has. If you watch the video, it's basically stopped playing rugby and thinks he's, he's in just like, looking for a fight. He thinks he's in hell in a cell run. or something on the WWE. He's just <laughs> fucking this point, banging. Bobby Windsor has come out of retirement and has to change nationalities. <laughs> I think it's worth remembering. Ireland were twenty six nil down at this point. <laughs> yeah, the upshot of all this is they, they lost thirty three just... nil. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> all of this yeah. didn't really help. It's like I get it. Everyone's played in a game where they're much better than you. You're losing quite badly, and so the only real recourse at that point is to fuck it. Is to fuck them. Who the fuck they think they are, eh? Yeah, but they're also really good fighters as well. <laughs> yeah, <that's> the... <laughs> oh shit! But honestly, Paddy Johns is a fucking legend in this game. Ulster, 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 Lock, fucking hard as nails he is. He will not, he will not have it at all off any of them. Fucking, I, you can't tell me, right? You don't, you don't. Somewhere deep down, he missed those days, right? Yeah, people said, we don't want to see this, though. Why is the crowd cheering then? Exactly. <laughs> That's always the thing, isn't it? Why, yeah, we smiling. don't want to see it, but I, deep down, I we do like it. Very though, quick bit of uh, Owen Farrell bashing, right? <laughs> with, with those, uh, those two uh, non-tackles recently, right? I wouldn't have a problem with that. It goes back to the, like the, the organised celebrations. If, if you'd ever kick someone on the floor when they're doing it, then carry on, right? Same with Owen Farrell. If you want to do that sort of cheap shot, armless jawbreaker tackle, then do it. But then the trade-off's going to be a second row or somebody's going to come over and fucking break your jaw. That's, that's <laughs> the way that it works, right? It seems not, not that you're just doing it and getting away with it scot-free. And then people say the referee, you know, the referee dropped a bollock on both occasions. I'm not saying it didn't, right? But that would, have been, that would have been dealt with in the old days. You wouldn't have got away with that shit. So you're not, too, not in two games. Hmm. It's the... It's the it's the argument of bringing back rucking, isn't it? It's like you can't you're not going to be lying on the wrong side if you're going to get fucking studs right down your no. ribs. And, so, and Fowler's a tough boy. I'm not I'm not yeah. I'm not saying he'd be a rollover. He can give as good as he gets, but at least there'd be a proper dust up about it. We'd have some of the cheer. Huh? So this happens. The, the big fight happens. Paddy Jones versus Tyson on seventy minutes, and then the final kind of act of it really when the commentators at this point are just saying Ireland have completely lost it now. Because they have <laughs> eighty, it's we're into stoppage time now. Eighty plus minutes. Trevor, oh, this is horrible. Trevor Brennan yeah. pile drives South African debutant <laughs> winger Mackie Hendricks into the pitch. Who is and, just and running like a gazelle at this point in open space? There's nothing and wrong he just with just killed. <laughs> there's nothing wrong with that. Apart from the fact that Hendricks had passed the ball roughly about twelve minutes before <laughs> Trevor Brennan got to him. <laughs> it's an amazing clip. It's like the final. Just like, oh come on. <laughs> really? what, do you know what they made some of the South Africa boys it links to this made a good point about um, coming to play um, uh, Wales in, in the Millennium Stadium from Prince Bradley Stadium saying that 
they feel they treat it as a home game almost. It's, it's, it's like it's not it's not an intimidating place to come play rugby, mm. right? You know, it's one of the, sorry, one of the Aussie boys are saying we love coming. With the, the, everyone gets involved, we love the singing. He said there's a big difference in playing Wales and Cardiff, which we all look forward to, and going to play in South Africa in Bloemfontein, right? It's terrifying, <laughs> right? It's, it's an intimidating place to yeah. play rugby. So yeah, the upshot was they lost thirty three nil. They came home on the plane. They went to the Rugby Heroes. World Cup a year later, not doing particularly great. And it was, um, and but they're doing all right now. I'd like to think this yeah. played some small part in it, but I don't it think it really did. Right in the end, so. yeah. <laughs> I what how, long, how, long after that, how long after that was the? How long after that was was the Keith Woods leading the boys in a V like a wedge through the hacker? Oh, I don't that wasn't that was. I think a couple of years later, I think, yeah. I think there's, I think it's sort of set the, you know, you've shown the seeds there, you're not going to get pushed around, you're not going to be intimidated. That's the thing, I wonder if that was kind of the entire purpose of the whole fucking exercise for Gatland, it was just like, make sure whatever happens, you don't get sort of bullied in any way, and you stand up for yourselves. I'm, I'm pretty sure he didn't want it to go quite this badly, but I'm pretty sure also that he quite enjoyed it in a weird way, you know? Okay, so that's was uh, You Dirty Get. That's just typical what it is! Quite right. I love uh, that clip. <laughs> it never gets <laughs> so old, does it? So I can't good. spake. <laughs> You'll send him off if you got any bottle. Oh, he's giving him a yellow card. You bottleless get. <laughs> <laughs> I can't spake. Anyway, okay. So let's finish off as we always do on the shit good ratings. Who wants let's to start that. me off? We do shit or uh, good. What do you want first? Uh, I'll do shit then. Um, Matt Kavesic, uh, just for why forwards shouldn't kick part 2,182, I guess. Um, In an ongoing series. Bad, yeah, bad kick led straight to that really brilliant Gloucester try. Um, just wasn't very good all round. Like one of those players where you just think he's playing against his old club here and he's kind of fucking it up a little bit. And, and I think that's a problem. He's with been really Kibesic. good, he's and that's a problem really with him. I think he, he never shakes the idea that that's a performance that was always in him. And yeah. I think that's why he's, he doesn't quite get trusted by international coaches. coaches. Yeah, yeah, I know what you mean because he's been brilliant for Exeter this season, but he really did shit the bed, and it wasn't. You know, they were Exeter was still in. You know, Exeter were ahead uh, at the start of the second half, but yeah, a couple of stupid decisions, a couple of stupid penalties, and the real wheels really came off. What else have we got that's shit? Off of Twitter, we've got Reese not saying, the RFU claiming that every English coach ever would have been on their shortlist, especially if they're already employed by other unions. Does anyone really think Faz Lancaster or Edwards would want to run the RFU gauntlet? There is that, that thing, is the, isn't there, about England? That is the thing, yeah. Anybody who is able to do the job and has the intelligence to do it would run a mile from it. You get to that situation. It's like a bit like the football one for a few years, isn't it? Why would you want to do it? Dave Garrett Certainly. gets in touch and he says that shit is BT Sports continued disavowal of the Challenge Cup. Yeah. Well, we're what, four rounds into it now? Still never put one on telly. Not a single Challenge Cup game has been put on the telly. And it was streaming on the website and it didn't work. Oh, brilliant. <laughs> it just says everything Perfect. about it, really. Useless. And, you know, these are big games, you know. They're not big games, you know, because the Challenge Cup is yeah, ultimately they're, they're fucking They're proper clubs, aren't they? This is not... Yeah. I know you've you know, got some I'll... Romanian people knocking around and stuff, but generally speaking, they're proper clubs. Yeah. With you know, fans, you, you want, might want to watch You it. want to watch fucking Claremont. You want to watch fucking... Ospreys versus Stade Francais was a fucking Heineken Cup encounter like five or six years ago. And it's, you know... 
I don't know. It's it. I've ranted far too much about BT's approach yes. to the fucking challenge. Yes, this year. I'm not going to do it again. That it continues. But noted, to it continues. Yes. I got, I got a good here. This would go watch the rugby the other day, as I said. Um, Wales is strength in depth. Which it's is good, isn't it? Absolute revelation to me. And the, I just look at the back row now. Just a quick glance at it recently. So we had uh, Falatau's come back from injury. We got Tipperick's a great player. Moriarty, uh, Shingler, Ellis Jenkins has been outstanding. Well, that's, I don't remember having a time when we had the strength and depth we got now. Three, like three, three good scrum halves to three good outside halves. You know, five or six good centres, six good that, back row players. You look at the, uh, across the home nations, really. Like Ireland have never had depth like this. Scotland have probably never had depth like this, and England have always had depth, obviously, but their depth is very good at the moment. You look at all four of those home nation sides, and you think about the Six Nations, and you think, fucking hell, you know, this could, if somebody gets into a bit of form and on a run, anybody could win this, and that's great. Well, imagine four home nations, four home nations, semi final World Cup. I mean, that would be good, wouldn't it? Could happen. That could happen. It can't, but never mind. We can't <laughs> the um, uh, we didn't cover this last week, but uh, the shit is the injury to Alice Jenkins, isn't it? Have you had confirmation yeah. it's his ACL now? Is it? Yeah, ACL, isn't it? And they're saying that. Well, they're saying that. Um, obviously, he's in physio straight away, and it may not be as long as they think. But he's, I think. It, well, I don't know. He's, 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 cer- he's, cer- he's certainly out for the Six Nations. Um, I don't know. He, yeah. he, and not only was he great, he looked great too, especially when he had that moustache in, in November. <laughs> he looked great with it. He was a prop like that. Yeah, the ears taped up, the moustache. Oh, come on, I was going to say, a moustache and a bit of tape around the head. Oh, my God, you got, you got me right there. <laughs> you me. Were you a tape wearer in your career, Mike? Oh, yeah, tape my ears up with, with a black electrical tape every game. Yeah. Beautiful. Oh, Did you tuck your collars in for the so full collars retro in. look? Yes. Collars in. Collars tucked in, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Shin pad tucked in my in my forearm just from Rupert Moon used to tuck his collars in for reasons I could never understand. <laughs> yeah, yeah. distracting the face or something. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Rupert Moon's box kicking was a thing of sort of almost balletic beauty. It was so slow. It's like how can you move your levers that slowly and be an international he, scrum half? Incredible be, stuff. Used to be there was never a finer example that um, that like sporting prowess is, is an aphrodisiac for some women. Than, than Rupert Moon being surrounded by women in Kiwis on a Saturday night. <laughs> Haven't they moved weirdly, Kiwis weirdly, now? Uh, they have moved Kiwis now. Yeah, about 15 feet, though, they've moved it. Yeah. Okay. And it's, it, it yeah. still retains all of the sort of incomparable vibe of Kiwis. Just I remember once going in it during the day, and I can't remember why, going, oh, this is what God. it fucking looks like. You could see, like, the pictures on the wall and everything, because oh, it yeah. was fucking rammed, right? But it, it was, <laughs> like, about... awful shit. But, yeah, it was... It's like the TARDIS. It's about a tenth the size in a day. That <laughs> yeah, <it's> exactly. <laughs> and is the old arcade still open? Still there, mate. The old oh, days still going mate, strong. Yeah. Magnificent stuff. Well, you're always welcome. <laughs> <laughs> These are Cardiff drinking holes, by the way, if you're not following us. Uh, right then, so what else have we got in the shit? Keza Pazza gets, gets in touch. He said, shit is Exeter's failure to realise that teams are going to be more up for it when they come to Sandy Park for a Champions Cup match as compared to the usual, compared to the usual Gallagher Premiership slugging match. Yep, covered that a bit, but yeah, I agree with you. I got a very quick, good, sh- personal shit and good. All right, okay. Uh, good was I did a we recorded a, a sitcom episode recently where I got to uh, my character got to sing with the choir before the Wales Africa game on the halfway. <laughs> well, people spotted you on the television and were tweeting yeah. about that. Yeah, yeah. 
I was on the big screen there for a couple of the songs. But then shit was they they made they made me leave before the anthem started. Wow. In case I, in case I, in case I took the piss during the anthems, which I wouldn't have done. I wouldn't have done that, by the way. But I mean, yeah, that was quite nice for me. Weird to be out there in front of like sixty-five thousand people, though. Imagine what it was you like running a train in front of all them, Mike. Oh my God, it's done best thinking about it. It's wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, and well done on the sitcom, Mike. We've not set sitcom, yes. sitcom, sit, sitcom. Oh, thank you. Yeah, Cheers, I lots of rave reviews. Yeah. Personally, me and Josh were saying the other day, weren't we, that we just want you and Mary to make a sort of at home with Wynn and... Yes. Well, I yeah, I, I, I would love to do a spin-off of that. My, my, my wife said, why don't you just call it Wynn's World and it'd just be you and Mary going places and doing stuff. I said, oh, that'd be amazing. That'd be magnificent. She's fun. great fun, though. She's, she's, she's the girl I went to the song disco with recently. Uh -huh. She's a... a the, your chemistry's great, genuinely. Yeah, well, genuinely, you, genuinely very funny. I think the forcing some of it, I'll be honest. Some of the other bits, I think the forcing a bit, but that one they're not. But yeah, it's a... not, not for me to say, mate. Not no, for not me. for you to say. <laughs> no, of course not. I'm just simply offering Sorry. my opinion. I think the forcing some of the other bits, but not your Sorry. bit. Thank you, mate. Uh, yeah, so what else have we got? There's shit on here. Uh, Alex Conan gets in touch. He said, shit is, oh yeah, this is true. Players binding onto Rook to give the scrum half more room to box kick. Whatever happened to use it? Oh, the cat's and, and when And also when somebody else made a point, I've not copied it, sorry, that when the scrum half pulls about four forwards in to form a wall before he actually yeah. picks it up and kicks the ball. Yeah. Surely that shouldn't be allowed. The caterpillar what? thing winds me the fuck up. Because, you know, it's like, I get it. If it's technically in front of the back foot, it's not out. But you can't then keep adding back feet to it <laughs> to make it not out. To, where does that end? We got we all... Stores, we we stores pack out on the side of the scrum, though, a flanker. You know, as much as you possibly could. You got you, you got to stay fully bound now. Obviously, you've got to follow and bind. I think they're talking. Yeah, you, yeah. The days you could bind with with, with a little finger, you, you could you could get right out there. This but, is rock but, they're talking about. They that's what I'm keep... saying. So maybe maybe in rock, you'll have to make it that you you're more. I don't know. I'm going to do it. How, how what are you going to say? Well, I think you just they say. The, I think what? the ref has to say you use it. You use it now. You can't just keep pulling people into the rock. Do you know what I mean? That's the thing. You you know you, you've either got to pass it or kick it now. Yeah. You can't build yeah. your What's own personal ball? army. What's... To, yeah, once the ball's it. secured, then that's the the ruck is completed. Effectively, you can't just throw somebody else into it. Yeah, to sort of artificially give yourself an extra three or four feet to be on your sideline to kick it. Yeah, it annoys the shit out of me. What else have we got here? That shit. James Reese gets in touch. He said shit was Ollie Woodburn's boy George impression. I tell you what, I I'm absolutely fine with it. I, I think I don't really have a problem with how he dresses how he wants. To be honest, so I, I might yeah. take the piss out of it a bit, but it's you know. Have you seen I mean, him? Ollie... He was wearing a fedora hat and a camel coat. Oh, that's, that sounds strong to me. I haven't <laughs> seen it. I mean, nothing great... Yes, he's wearing. Uh, it is. He's wearing leather gloves, a uh, a camel uh, sort of three quarter length coat, a uh, a sort of off white turtleneck, and a black fedora hat. And I level with you. He's in, looking incredibly stylish. Slash a little bit like Inspector Gadget. I I I, I filmed an episode of a different thing over in. Uh, in Belfast recently, and I played a I played a, a minister in, in this in this comedy, but I wore. They, they said, "Where'd you get that? Where'd you get those boots from?" I said, "The, the, the costume department." I said, "What you?" I took off my own because they, they I have my own white patent leather ankle boots with a Cuban heel that I that I, I wear occasionally, and I wore those, and it just blew them away. That they were, but I, but I wear those out. I wear those. I mean, that's not an unusual thing for me to wear. Are people surprised when they see that that's this is how you dress? No, yeah, people, you know, people they think, think it's I, a costume for stage, don't they? They think, and then you see, you see, yeah, they'll see me after I've been on stage wearing 
you know, a different shirt and the same style and the same Cuban heels on and the same, like, big turquoise necklaces and stuff. <laughs> and realised that I just got issues, yeah. <laughs> I love all that shit, though. I've got three sheepskin coats. That's why I love, I love the winter. <laughs> it's your natural habitat. I love it. I You're the only bear it. that doesn't hibernate, Mike. I love it, Oh, yeah. I've got a lot of bear followers, too, on Twitter, so, you know. <laughs> I'm happy with that. It's no problem. <laughs> uh, what else have we got here? Should we move on to good? Um, yeah, come on. Come on. Both shit and good uh, is Richard Wigglesworth getting sat down by Matthew Morgan because hilarious, but also probably the worst moment of his career because come on. And Farrell as well, of course. Oh, Farrell made the terrible mistake of trying to tackle him with his arm. Yes. That's what went wrong there. <laughs> Always go with the shoulder. Honestly. Completely threw him, didn't it? Completely threw him. <laughs> Just not used to it. Not used to it. <laughs> Strong boy, Matthew Morgan, it seems. Yeah, well, I mean, he's never, he's never missed, you know, he's never looked like a lad that shirks the gym. It's just there's a certain, you know, what physiological... What God gave him isn't as big as what... Yeah, physiological limitation to the fact that he's about five foot five and there's only so much beef you can pack on that without it getting silly. But um, what a fucking try, though. What a try. Amazing. And yeah. actually, to be fair, yeah, the handoff is a bit, well, maybe you should have held him. But actually, it's easy to say that his step in between as as Farrell and Wigglesworth came in, he stepped at the perfect time to just get enough weak arm, weak shoulder to get through. It was lovely. it was a lovely bit of work. Um yes. And and I tweeted that you never recover from the shame of being handed off by Matthew Morgan. And, <laughs> and somebody responded with, How have you got any followers with tweets like this? You fucking wank stains. <laughs> <laughs> I've not heard um, the insult Wagstein since about probably 1993 or something. It's, it's gloriously retro, that. It's up there with Bellend. I mean, Wagstein's a cracker, isn't it? It is, yeah. Knob Rash um, is one you never hear anymore either. That is, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, uh, retro, retro insults, no, it's all. <laughs> Most of them end up being really politically incorrect, so we can't use yeah, too many of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Bellend, one of the all time greats. I still use that oh, yeah, end yeah. liberally. Prime, it's a wonderful prime word. for a comeback. Absolutely prime for a comeback. Well, that's another podcast entirely. But uh, <laughs> so what else we've got as good. Speaking of strong boys, have you seen Ollie Thorley? Big lad. No. Yeah. Big oh, yeah, winger well. scored a glorious try last week. He, I said, and I didn't, and I meant this incredibly positively at the weekend. He looks like a winger who do very, very well in rugby league. Yeah. Because I don't mm, think yes. I don't think I've okay. seen somebody that big that quick who runs it runs his weight so well. Mm. When he when he when he carries a kick, he runs his weight really, really well. And I think he's quite young. He's a big lad. Yeah, he's um, only twenty two, isn't he? Yeah, yeah, I think he could be something approaching <clears throat> England's George North if he if we handle Ooh. him correctly. Because he looks like he's got a bit of brains about him as well. He moves well. He's not just big. He moves well. He uses his feet well. Well, speaking about uh, people in good shape, a, a good for me would have been. Um, is a mic working? Yeah. Okay. A good for me would have been. Uh, when we were at the stadium the other day, I was with the choir when they sang the boys off the bus, both teams, right? The South African hymn was, was amazing. Um, but when they brought the Welsh team off, Jonathan Davis, junior, walked past me probably three feet away. Not only has he got arms bigger than my legs, <laughs> he's got arms bigger than his own legs, and he's got big legs. I mean, he's... <laughs> I've never he's seen an, oh, he's he's an absolute special... Like, you don't realise it on the pitch... He, he is, is an rippling. absolute physical specimen in 
a way that a, an outside centre would never have been. They were walking off the bus. And I was thinking to myself, Christ, if I was if I was twenty years younger, you know, I could I could, I could cover most of these. And then it's <laughs> got all. Well, I saw him and thought, "Fuck me, he's in good shape." I mean, he, he is in absolute nick. Because even people like um, Josh North didn't look that big. I mean, he looked big, you know, but he he didn't look. He has big. very big legs. He's got a normal size upper yeah, half. No, massive legs and bum yeah. and a big ass. Yeah, yeah it's great. <laughs> but uh, he's got a great ass. Um, how about John Davis's arms, man? I, I, I would I would love those arms. I would never wear a top I was in. <laughs> you have to throw your sheepskin coats away. But oh, the, um, just, just we were see. talking about him the other week, and I was saying, he's not that big, is he? And Josh did say, no, he is, actually. And I did a quick Wikipedia search, and I went, fucking hell, he's six foot three and se- nearly 17 oh. stone. He's and massive. All, and it's all muscle, mate, I'm telling you. Yes. So, anyway, there you go. What else have we got that's good? I've mentioned Ollie Thorley. Um, on the hill we mentioned briefly earlier. Yeah, uh, very, just, very good. He's just game changing as a seven foot. He's basically Bath and England are getting to see what Ospreys fans knew all along in that he's just fucking absolutely mustard. Yes, uh, Peter O'Mahony telling Rory Kakot to fuck off. I loved that. I the absolute seen... nonchalance of it. You well, seen... I, showed him a... I got another good. I just remembered another good. No. Um, since last time I was on, my mate Griff, who. Got asked by Kingsley Jones to go over and help out uh, Canada with uh, the World Cup qualification campaign over in France there. Huge deal for Canada, that. Uh, he, they, they, World Cup. They really thought they'd come and suck maybe against... Based for their union, doesn't it, basically? You know, Hong, Kong, yeah. Hong Kong was going to be the, the real stumbling block, and they played really, really well. Griff was really, really pleased. Kingsley really, really pleased. And all my Canadian mates are over the moon. So that's uh, that was great for Canadian rugby. Nobody wanted to... It, it, nobody wanted to see what would happen if they didn't qualify for the World Cup. Mm. Because that could have gone quite badly. Well, that could have happened as well. That was the thing. Yeah. It, it would have, without being too much of a doom monger, uh, knowing the little bit that I do about Canadian rugby, if they hadn't qualified and they lost it on that $10 million, whatever it is, for, the, for qualification money, I mean, I think, I'm not sure Canadian rugby would have recovered from it, to be honest. I know it sounds melodramatic, but... Yeah, and, <clears throat> and rugby needs countries like Canada to keep playing rugby. Yeah. Because otherwise it's just fucking us and New Zealand and South Africa and Australia and it's a bit of shit. Yeah, boring. Yeah, right. Yes, what else I, we got? Re- I really enjoyed Peter Romani telling Rory Cocker to fuck off because of the absolute casual nature with he which just he just stubbed his hands on his hips, did he? Yes, yeah, don't even fight or anything. He just turns to him and fuck says, off. Fuck off. And he, and he fucks off. <laughs> the best part is he does. He fuck does turn around and fuck off. Yeah, it is really <laughs> funny. There's a great gif of it if anyone's not seen it, but you must have done. I, I imagine. Uh, right, then, whatever we've got that's good. Colin McBride gets in touch on Twitter. Hello, Colin. He says, good is Eric O'Sullivan. Unusual to see a prop play the full 80 these days. That is true. Mm. While in the process, making 18 out of 19 tackles and helping Ulster to be surprisingly competent in the scrum. Good win for Ulster, that, actually. 25, really good 24 win. Yeah, in, yeah. In Scarlet's, Scar- have, Scarlet's miss the players that they've lost, which is Scarlet's a bit of defense a was a little bit like trying to use a colander to stop a lava flow, wasn't it? They were pretty poor. All of their excellence. Good, yeah. good to see a coach having a bit of faith and keeping them on for the full 80 as well, mate. Yeah. You know, not just have the little RF chip at the back of the shirt there saying, right, you've done your, you've done your 60 minutes or you've done your 10K, whatever it is, you're off, you know? If you're playing well, the number of times they bring, they bring a front row off that are playing well after an hour, you think, what the hell are you doing? You know? Yeah, and then they do it all at once instead of just staggering it, which yeah. massively 
yeah, that winds me up like nobody's business. We mentioned last week, Argentina keep taking Nicolas Sanchez off at 64, 60 minutes for reasons nobody can fathom because his replacements are nowhere near as good and he's like the That's heartbeat ridiculous. of their team. It doesn't make any sense yeah. at all. Well, him, him, him at 70% is better than all his replacements at 100%, so leave him on there. Yeah. Yeah. My mate was coached by Sean Edwards once before he, he got quite big when my mate was playing for London Scholars, who were a rugby league team. And Edwards came and did like a session with them, I think, as a bit of outreach work. And that thing in rugby league where props only play 20 minutes a half, don't they? My mate played prop. And Edwards basically just said, he said, you lot play for 20 minutes a half. He said, so you basically just go eyeballs out for the full 20 minutes. Don't think about it, don't think about anything. He said, you just fucking run until you nearly throw up for 20 minutes. Then you're coming off. So there's no excuses. <laughs> it's just like, yeah, all right, fair enough. Plus, I'm sure Edward's saying it, not me. Yeah. Well, he, he walked past me, like again, like three feet away. He looked like a, he looked, he's fierce, isn't he? And he's not yes. a big bloke. You're like, no, oh, you look like you're all rock. Man. And he looked fierce when he had hair. Weirdly, he was slightly yeah. balding and straight. A bit like Terry Cobney, you know, bald but terrifying. Yeah. Terry Cobney had Bobby Charlton hair but looked fucking terrifying. <laughs> <laughs> he looked like you'd have to smack him with like a pool table to knock him out. You know what I mean? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, so we got this good. Leo Atwood gets in touch. He said, good was the first half, shit was the second half. From a blues fan, yes, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, I've a lovely message here from Paul Driscoll about my old rugby club. Hello, What's Paul, that? an old mate of mine. He said it's it's me. It's about Cardiff Quinns RFC. On Saturday, they continued their season turnaround and defeated top of the table St Peter's. The Rocks. You played against the Rocks. The Rock. I played for the Rock and against the Rock. Have you? Yeah. Uh, for their first loss of the season after nine straight losses, it's good to get a couple of wins and come a little bit up the table. Yeah, it wasn't a good time when I was there. It's been it's been mixed fortunes for the Quinns, so good to hear they're doing a bit better. Well, the, the game I played, for, I played on maybe two games at St Peter's when Mark Ring's brother Paul was the captain. Mm. I think I might have mentioned it before. Paul was a tough cookie, Paul, but he he, he would play. He, I think he'd, he'd had some sort of colostomy or something, and he would he would take. <laughs> I don't know why. I, I really, you know, you can't work out where this is going. No. Go on, yeah. Look, but he was so tough. He would take his colostomy bag off before the game, so they tape the hole up with some like black. <laughs> Put the bag on again after the game. It's just fucking <laughs> solid. That's amazing. Wow. Yeah. So there we go. My recollection of playing for the Rock. <laughs> uh, what have we got? Marking two rugby got in touch. He said, "Good was JJ Hanrahan stepping up before the game and having man of the match for uh, Munster." Yes. Which is true. Uh, that was a very it was a shit game, but fucking <clears> that was a comfortable win for. Yeah, Conor Murray was hot piss in that game as well, which. Uh... Pop piss yeah, probably. I don't I like know. It. I like him to use him often. Pop yeah. piss. And of course, I mean, who did they manage better to beat? Better than cold piss, isn't it? Who did they manage yeah, to beat? It. Get ready, everybody. Cast. I can't wait. I can't wait till Cast get eliminated. Honestly, <laughs> so we don't have to do this anymore. Song I've got more than here. Beautiful voice. Like just, just one saw, of the I worst saw, bands. I saw Cast. Me and my wife saw Cast in uh, in Bristol in the O2 about four or five years ago, um, and there was a proper fight in the front. In the front. <laughs> I thought amazing. There was no one that younger. There was no one there younger than me. So it must have been some like forty-five year blokes in the front pogoing, just started beating each other up. It was amazing. <laughs> Glorious. So it doesn't happen no more, does it? These young people gigs. They're all too busy being happy. Too wankers. Absolute wankers, all of them. Uh, the Simcoe kid gets in touch. He said, very good for Ben T- Very good for Ben Teo is his wages per minute at Worcester this season. 
<laughs> yeah. I mean, he's a good player, Ben Teal, but he's not he's he's not five hundred grand good, is he? It's all right. Yeah, he's not exactly. He's not half a million quid, is he? Uh, no. T- Tony, but as we said earlier, mate, you only get paid what someone thinks you're worth. Exactly. Tony Sylvester gets in touch. He says, "Good was the La Defense Arena in Paris, which is Racing's ground." If people aren't quite sure about that, a batshit crazy, wonderful entertainment place in Utopia Land. He said, but also he said, "Shit is La Defense Arena, where two people yelling Tigers has more volume than the entire racing crowd once the stadium tannoy announcer has given up trying to galvanize them." <laughs> that fucking ground, man. Have you seen that massive fucking Steve multiplex Nelson. screen round the other end? Down the end. It's amazing. Oh, yeah. I'm not going to start you on that again, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> I tell you what's good, good as well. I love shout out for my mate, Will Croker, who's coaching uh, Bournemouth down there. And they're, they're, he's a, a, he's a really nice bloke, and B, they're having a good season, so I'm quite chuffing. My mate, Chris Cormack, coaches down there. He coaches uh, Dorset Dockers. Do you know Chris Cormack? Yeah. Crispin. Crispin. Crispin Corner. Yeah, 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 he's played for Ponty. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He's doing all right. Anyway, do you know do you know anybody who's coaching in Dorset? Josh, you can Not join in with us. Dorset right now. No, no. No, the Bournemouth Weymouth area. <laughs> yeah, not even anywhere down the this south. This is coast, fucking really, top no. radio, this, isn't it? Anyway, let's go. <laughs> so, uh, Sam Ashworth, last couple, Sam Ashworth gets it up. She said, Good is the Jaguar's new home kit. When yes. I first oh, I saw it, I, I made the same it. noise when you see an amazing out the door offload. Whoa. Tell me, tell me, tell me, why, 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 why? I didn't um, like it. Is it, is it, is it paisy with, with big collars? Uh, <laughs> if only, Mike. I mean, it is black with a sort of orange fern, a bright orange fern well, motif. We have to remember where it's come from because their original yes. kit was one of the most beautiful things I've ever seen. Their black kit black with, the or- with, with, orange, with, orange. with orange sort of trim. Yeah. It, just, it was just beautiful. And now they've kept it black, but they've got this kind of... Is it meant to be like a, it's, a Jaguar it's pelt? Fern. It's ferns, because, you know, ferns. Jaguar's in the rainforest, isn't it? Fucking hell, they've overthought that, haven't they? I, they have I, thought, bit, yeah. you know, I, thought, I thought you said orange fur. I thought that sounds brilliant. <laughs> now, that would be, now, now, now you're talking. <laughs> I mean, the Away kit does have a sort of leopard print, well, I should say a Jaguar print motif around the top, which... If you want to see, if you want to see the best jersey of all time, Yes, it's, it's, it's a soccer jersey. Unfortunately, it's the uh, they were called the Caribou. Um, I think they were called the Caribou. They were played in um, in the North American Soccer League back in the day. But they had oh, a, is it the, it's got the one that's got the, the tassel the, around it. Yeah, it was oh, tan, glorious it, stuff. It was tan with a with a brown yoke and a big collar, and then just a fringe along, yes. along, along both sleeves and down on the back of the shirt. Was it one, like was it like Tommy Period Roger Daltrey's get up? Basically. Exactly like that <laughs> for football. Exactly like that. Amazing, absolutely amazing. You can't buy it anywhere. If someone's listening to this, they make football kit. Can you please make it, and I'll buy it off you. <laughs> you should put a request into Toffs or, or yeah, like Scorch or whatever. Well, it, it, it got voted the ugliest football kit of all time, and I thought it was honestly God the best. Football Ugly kit clothes. Of- that sounds like the job for me, says Mike. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes, please. But yeah, it's a lovely. It is. I mean, yeah, I preferred the old one, but it's still an interesting show. I'm mainly just happy that Jaguar, uh, Jaguardo has survived the Jaguars rebrand. To be honest, have you seen Jaguardo, Mike? What's Jaguardo? He is the Jaguars mascot. I think you'd like him. Why? Because he rides around on fucking motorbikes with women on the back. Hello. And like, and, and, and like, flies into the arena with like two flares in his hands, and on surfboards, and just gets chased around by women. He's like a sort of feline Benny Hill sketch. He is a bit. Sounds um, amazing. 
He's a bit of a lad, isn't he? Old Haggle. He is a bit of a lad. He also occasionally wears berets for no... (laughs) That's true. He does wear berets as well, yeah, randomly. How knackered must those boys be? We talk about people (laughs) going to play like... When Argentina is basically that team as well. Yeah. When's their downtime then? When do they... When they're dead, Mike. When they are dead. Oh God. I think they're all just dropping fucking Ambien on the plane in, betwe- <laughs> in between games. And then they wonder why yeah. it takes a while to get into. And Creevy's a beast. He still turns up and gives absolutely everything. Are you watching, like, your, your, downtime, your, your downtime is going back to the championship to play against New Zealand and South Africa. You know what I mean? That's... <laughs> Indeed. Christ. We just lost to the Barbarians. Never mind. We'll play South Africa next week. Yeah. Yeah. It's fine. Jeez, Last yeah. good. They are a weird human experiment, Argentina, and I don't know how it's going to end. Last good is Ian Bradshaw says, George Ford for going full bore, fuck it, I'll do it myself against Rassing for Tomston's try. Yeah, he did. Fair play. He absolutely did. That was yeah. a bit of a mad game, actually. It looked like it was going to go very, very... I mean, they lost in the end, Leicester still, but it looked like it was going to go very, very, very badly. I think that'll do them some good in the long run. Yeah, not getting absolutely fucked over was... was... Up about as I can't. Good what's happened it? to Leicester? I can't. I'm, as, as a poor Welsh boy living, living in the provinces, right? What? How has Leicester got so bad? Um, I th- they've changed. They, they've changed. This is my view. Josh, may have a different view. They've changed coaches too often without a, because the, it's almost like the coaches upon when you've got to look. Their recruitment has been a serious problem. If you look at their back row for the past three years, and they sold Ed Slater to Gloucester, which seems fucking madness to me because he's out an outstanding lock forward. And and we've said this, we've talked about it before. I don't know who they are anymore. No. The combination of changing, changing the, the, the coaches, poor recruitment, has led to the situation where you go, I don't really know what you're supposed to be anymore. Just sort of lack of direction. You know. I think it's, we know remember the Leicester style, and I'm not saying you don't have to mm. change your style, but at least it seemed like everybody knew what they were trying to pull towards, and I'm not sure that's the case anymore. Mm. And I don't think it's the case right to the top, actually. There's somebody making very poor director of rugby recruitment decisions. And then they're, they're compounding that by, instead of going, oh, well, we fucked this signing up or whatever, let's do better next year. They're just basically keeping the same players and changing the coach and hoping that they get better results from the same. And not mismatch. having the bottle to stick with it. Like they, they got rid of Cochrane <laughs> and put Major in because obviously they wanted to change a little bit and then just bottled it. Didn't recruit well and bottled it. Yeah. You know, it's just a recipe for disaster, really. We talked about earlier with, uh, with, like, with Glasgow, right? And, and it's, it's almost like an unsung role in, in, in British sports. It's, it's a huge role in American sports. That sort of general manager role that is mm. the person in charge of recruiting uh, and, and, and getting the players in and, and, do, and sorting out the contracts and balancing the books and, and doing the salary cap, you know. They saw what, I bang up about the NFL again, but the Dallas Cowboys in the, in the 90s when they, when they won everything, they, they were built around having the best general manager in the league. And it, 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 mm. it, it never gets the credit in this country, I don't think. Obviously, what Glasgow are doing compared to what Leicester are doing, it's, it goes beyond coaching. It's, it's, it's a, it's a yeah, personality. There's a strange well. thing in Britain. We're obsessed with the cult of the coach and the manager. Yeah. And it's, it comes from the kind of Clough Ferguson, Alf Ramsey yeah. type background. I know they're well, all those, English, but the point. Well, they, 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 would be in, they were involved in those England. days. In they would sign the players. I mean, they, they would they would get money from the chairman and they would make the signings. So then, when you try and introduce this this model, which is quite common in other sports in other countries. We're ultimately distrustful of it. Because imagine yeah. somebody saying to Alex Ferguson, I've bought you these three players, and he went, what? Mm. You're fucking joking, mm. sort of thing. 
<laughs> and I think it's something to do with the fact we've never had a dictator. We're obsessed with these sort of powerful <laughs> manager types because we've never lived yeah. under a dictatorship, I think. Maybe that's why the Jaguars did okay then. Yeah, maybe it is, yeah. <laughs> Mercy Hunter they had. Brilliant. And on that note, <laughs> let's have a military hunter to sort out our obsession with cult, with, with the cult of personality of managers. Um, that's the end of it. Thank you, Mike. Cheers, boys. Thanks very much. Thank you, Josh. Thank Always you, everybody, for listening. We'll speak to you all soon. Take care. Indeed. So long. In Ireland, we don't get a lot of sunshine, which means we probably don't get enough vitamin D. And that's why we developed Vitabiotics Ultra Vitamin D. Specially formulated, one tiny Ultra Vitamin D tablet helps maintain your immune system, providing all the vitamin D you need in one daily tablet. Bring a little sunshine into your day with Vitabiotics Ultra Vitamin D. Pick up your three-month supply in-store and online from leading pharmacies and health food stores nationwide. Sports Social Podcast Network. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.